even before then, we know it is finished. Hallelujah. We know in whom we have believed and we are persuaded that he is able to keep all that we commit unto him. And we commit all unto him. Amen? Let's stand. Hallelujah. Now let me just ask a question. This is a very deep question. How many of you believe the word of God? Do you believe the word of God? Yes. Amen. Well, the, the Bible says the kingdom of God dwells within you. Does it say that? Luke 17, 21. And it says that kingdom of God also rules over all. It also says whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever we loosen, whatever we release, whatever we loosen on earth is loosened in heaven. So right now, that kingdom of God that is within you, I just want to you to lift up your hands. And I want us to make a declaration where we're going to release the kingdom of God to permeate and saturate this atmosphere so that only the will of God shall be done. So let's say this with me right now. In the name of Jesus. In the authority of that name, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I release the kingdom of God that is within me. I release it into this atmosphere. I release it in the, over the live stream. I release the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So that that kingdom, the rule of God, it is extended. It dominates the atmosphere. The will of God be done in Jesus' name. We receive. Amen. Let's have a seat. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Praise God forevermore. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys. I have the keys of hell and death and of the grave. He says, I have the keys. And he also says, behold, I've given unto you the keys. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. Amen? Amen. Now, we've been teaching on the subject, victory over depression. And this is the second message. And specifically today, overcoming depression. Overcoming depression. Turn with me to Acts chapter 10, verse 38, and we're going to begin here. Acts chapter 10. And verse 38. Are we there? Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. How God anointed the man, Jesus of Nazareth. Anointed him. With what? With the Holy Ghost. And with power. We're going to learn later on, from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, Christ. The power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost 
and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, all that were oppressed of the devil. He didn't turn any away, for God was with him. God was with him. It's amazing the issue of God was with him. You know, the Bible says, with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. But it also says, all things are possible to them that believe. Why is it are all things possible to them that believe? Because when you believe, you end up being with God, with whom all things are possible, and God and his omnipotence, his wisdom, his power, his grace is able to take over. Amen? So God was with him. How does God anointed? Say anointed. anointed. Because we're going to talk about anointing today. Anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the man. God is able to anoint you. In fact, you're already anointed. With the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Deliverance. People's freedom from oppression and depression and torment is always the will of God. There is no time when it is not the will of God. Jesus, as he went about doing all of these miracles, healing and deliverance, Jesus was the will of God in manifestation. You don't have to wonder about the will of God. Jesus was the will of God. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 it says, There is no temptation come upon you, but such as is common to man. And God will with the temptation make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it, that you might be able to stand through it with patience, that you might be able to overcome it. In this world, we are in a fallen world, and there are tests, there are trials, there are pressures, there are temptations. Think, things happen. It's common to man. It happens to everyone. But God doesn't want his body, the body, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be emotionally crippled or to be uh, uh, and, and to remain in a state of, 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 a, of a depressed mood or, or, or state because of the trials and the pressures and the stuff that we endure in this life. In this world, you're going to have tribulation, Jesus said, but we need to be of good cheer. He has overcome the world. He has overcome the world. He is our victory. He is the way of escape. Amen? We're going to encounter things. The Bible says in the verse before, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12, Let him that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. You don't know what trouble might be coming your way. Trouble happens. Things happen. Pressure happens. None of us are exempt. They're coming to every man. But there is a way of escape. There is a way by which we can stand. There is a way by which we can overcome. Jesus is the way. In fact, let me put it more accurately. Christ is the way. Say Christ is the way. Christ. Say it again. Christ. Christ is the way. And I'm making a little bit of a distinction here. I'm not just saying Jesus is the way. I'm saying Christ is the way. Christ, the anointed one. You see, Christ is not, you know, as, as we say fondly and humorously, Jesus Christ, Christ is not Jesus' last name. 
Christ is the anointed one. Anointed. God anointed this man, Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and power. The, the Christ is the power of God. It's the anointing of God. Amen? It is the, it is the way he functions. It's Christ is that is that anointed. It is the anointing. It is the functioning. Isaiah 10 verse is the operation. Isaiah 10 verse 27 says, um, says that the anointing will break the yoke and remove the burden. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter um, 1 verse 20 and 21 says, All the promises of God in him, in Christ, say Christ, are yes, and in him, in Christ, they are amen, in the anointing, to the glory of God by us. And then in the next verse, verse 21, says, Now he which had established you and me in Christ, in the anointing, and had anointed us as God. God has anointed you, and God has established you, and has placed you in Christ, in the anointing. Have you ever heard that I am in him? You are in Christ. Say, I'm in Christ. I, you are in the anointing, and God has anointed you. Say, I am anointed. All right. Now, here's, and in fact, let me put this whole message, if I can, in a nutshell. In a real nutshell, and it's this. Depression, <laughs> I was going to say it's a lie, but it's, it's real. Depression is the fact Jesus is the truth. The truth, Christ is the truth. Jesus is the truth. The truth always overcomes the fact. Amen? And the truth must overcome the fact for you to have the truth as your experience. You see, the Bible says that, that, that when you're born again, whom the Son sets free is free walk. Indeed, you are totally, completely free in your spirit. However, you got to know the truth. Apply the truth. And that truth will what? Make you free. It's going to cause that freedom and liberty that you have in your spirit to come into your soul, to come into your life, and to become your experience and testimony. Amen? So today we're talking about this issue of depression, but I'm saying to you the answer is Christ. Say Christ. That's it. Amen? We're not denying its existence, but we're denying its right to rule over us. And we are, and we are taking the way of escape the way of victory, the truth, the way, the life, Christ. Say Christ. All right. Okay. Now, I want to bring this concept into play for the sake of understanding for the next little while. Fact versus truth. Truth versus fact. Depression is not the truth, but it is the fact in one's life and in one's soul. The truth the truth of those that are born again, where your spirit is concerned, is that in your spirit, if we can look inside your spirit, there is absolutely no depression of any sort at any time. In your spirit, 
there is total peace, total joy. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 23, the spirits of just men made perfect. Having joy unspeakable and full of glory is the atmosphere of your spirit man. Wisdom. Your spirit man is not stressed out. Your spirit man has strength and, abund and is filled with abundance of hope. Total victory. Total perfection. Amen? That's the truth. Say that's the truth. But in your soul, it's a slightly different thing. Because, again, the truth is as it is in heaven. Amen? The way it is in the spirit. The truth is what Jesus has finished, what Jesus has accomplished. The truth is what is already yours in the realm of the spirit because of what Jesus has done. The truth is Christ himself. Jesus says, I am the what? And he said he is the truth. The word is the truth. Sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. But the word is God. Jesus is the word made flesh. All right. Now, say truth. Say fact. Depression is not the truth. It is a, it is a fact. But we are not to deny the facts. You see when it says in Romans 4 verse 17, faith does what? It calls those things that be not as though they were. It doesn't say that faith calls those things that are as though they're not. It calls those things that be not as though they were. In other words, faith looks at the way it is in the spirit and that's how it calls it. It might not be that way here, but it says this is how it is in the spirit. By it shall some heal and therefore it declares healing. But it does not deny the sickness. It changes the sickness by bringing the power of God and the healing of God and the anointing of God to wipe out the sickness. So depression is not that we have to deny depression, sorry. It is a fact, but we must deny its right to rule over us, to govern us. And we got to cancel it with what? The truth. Say the truth. But gee, Christ is the truth. Got it? All right. Now let's just talk about the, a little depression in the Bible. Because people, you know, we go, you know, everyone experiences one degree or another, and there are various degrees. And one could feel very condemned when, they, when they're having these struggles and these emotional things happening. But there were great men of God and people of God that went through this. Job. Do we have to stop and talk about Job? I mean, Job went, went through a lot of pressure. Job was at a point where, I mean, his wife was telling him, curse God and die. His wife was even trying to talk him into suicide. Think about it. <laughs> All right? <laughs> Seriously. Didn't she say? And Job himself, he also thought about it. You know, he cursed the day he was born. Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 14 says, Cursed be the day wherein I was born. Let not the day my mother bear me be blessed. Hannah, remember Hannah? Samuel's mother. Samuel's um, mother. Who went years and years and, and, and wasn't able to conceive a child. In the meantime, um, uh, 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 the, the couple of the wives that her husband had, man, they were producing babies and she wasn't producing any baby. And she was very depressed over it. And the Bible says she wept in 1 Samuel 1 verse 7 that she wept 
and she did not eat. So her heart was so grieved she couldn't eat. She was in distress of soul and she was weeping bitterly. Right? Depression. Thoughts that can just weigh you down. It's very oppressive. If you could put yourself in, in Hannah's position for a moment. It's very oppressive when a woman wants a child and year after year after year she's trying, she's believing and still no baby, no baby, no baby, no baby. Still no conception. And then even worse than that, she may conceive and then what if, you know, and there are those who have conceived and, and then they've, they've had a couple of several, one or more and sometimes several miscarriages. That could be very, very oppressive, very, very depressive. And then there is a, and then of course, then again too, there are those who may have, you know, sadly may have had an abortion. Now they're they, now they're dealing with, with guilt and shame and, 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 and all of that and, and all kinds of emotional, not, not pain. I mean, a woman sometimes, you know, God has placed within them to, be, to, to have children and they're not able to for whatever reason. That can create, so the, you know, the way the very identity is tied up with it. That could be very depressive. Right? That could be very depressive. I'm just saying it's real. The loneliness, the despair, sometimes of being single and, 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 and you know, people and they're getting older. And this happens to men too. And they're getting older and older and no princess shows up. No prince charm shows up. Still hasn't shown up. I know the decades are slipping by. People get depressed over that kind of stuff. What about our friend Jonah? Remember Jonah? And these are great people of God, isn't it? Jonah, in, in, in um, chapter 4, verse, three, verse um, 3 or 13, whichever it is, he says, Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, because it is better for me to die than to live. Now, it's very funny. Why was he so bitter? Why was he so depressed? Well, for one thing, he had come to, he, had, he, he didn't want to go to, to, to Nineveh, and he wanted God to just rain fire and brimstone down on, down on Nineveh like he did in Solomon and Gomorrah and destroy Nineveh. And he went and the people repented, and God showed them mercy, and he didn't like that. Amen? You know, sometimes you want judgment to fall on your enemy. God, why don't you wipe them out? Why don't you teach them a lesson? And instead, God is showing kindness towards them. And that could get you pretty upset. That got him upset. Right? He wanted mercy, and God was saying, kiss and make up. <laughs> Turn the other cheek. And then it also, too, I think there's also a factor in, in Jonah's case. And Jonah was also running from the presence of God. Well, hey, in his presence, there is fullness of? So you can't run away from his presence and expect to walk in joy. Right? I mean, ask, talk to Adam. Right? Sometimes people have sickness and disease and, and that, that, is, that, is, that goes on for a long time and, and, and it wearies them out. Sometimes people lose a spouse by sickness or disease or by accident or a child. And they could be grieved and they could get stuck in a place of grief. They could be in a place where they're mad at God like Jonah was. And that grief could become their constant companion. I'm just trying to be a little bit descriptive just so that we can relate to the fact that this issue is real. It's a fact, but it does not have to rule over you. There is a truth of the anointing that can break its power. Amen? 
Hallelujah. Sometimes people sink into depression because they go through a divorce or whatever the case might be. Living with pain, chronic pain, broken hearted, because of some, because wounded because of childhood abuse, wounded because of neglect, wounded because of abandonment, experiencing trauma, being in a violent environment, witnessing certain things, people coming back from wars, suffering from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, because of what they witnessed, and people can suffer from that even without having to go to war. Because their life has been a war. They've been in an environment of such, of such abuse and violence and so on. Get into this, this sense of rejection. Feeling unloved. No one cares. In fact, no one would even miss me if I were to die. Feeling unworthy. Failure. And all that kind of stuff. Amen? Turn with me to Second Kings chapter, 1 Kings chapter 19. Let's look at Elijah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. First Kings. Now I'm pointing this out to let you, it's not like this was not the plan of God. This all came because of the fall. Amen? But you see sometimes, you know, if, if, you, if, you, if you teach or you discuss this subject and it's done in the wrong way, people could feel condemned. They could feel like they're this weak, frail Christian that that God is disappointed with and, and they could get into such a place of condemnation that the devil can take advantage of them. And, and there's other times where people can become so depressed, so numb, that they don't even feel condemnation. They don't even want to move, literally. First Kings chapter 19, let's just read a few verses. Reading from verse 1. This is the story about Elijah. Now, by the way, let me just mention this. Um, Elijah had... had had the prophets of Baal killed, and he had called on fire from heaven, etc., etc. And um, he had gone up to Mount Carmel and was praying for rain, and, and, and so on. And then, you know, then there were signs that rain was going to come. And then he, and then he ran, and he, and, and and then he told Ahab, you know, rain is going to come, take off. And he outran um, um, Ahab's chariot, and he ran all the way from Carmel to Jezreel. Verse one, nineteen. First Kings 19. And Ahab told Jezebel that all that Elijah had done, you know, this killing her prophets, 450 of them, and without how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In order, Jezebel says, I'm going to make sure you are dead by tomorrow this time. And when he saw that, he arose and he went for his life. He went for his life and he came to Beersheba, however far that is, which belonged to Judah. And he left his servant there. And he himself went today's journey alone now into the wilderness. I don't know what he's doing in the wilderness. And came and he sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. Is this called suicidal? And said, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life. And I'm not better than, and watch this, I'm not better than, any, than, than my father's comparing himself with others. And as he lay and he slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. 
and he did eat and drink and laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came again. And that's another thing. So I don't even want to get into the symptoms. Sometimes one of the symptoms is you don't sleep. Sometimes the next one of the symptoms is the symptoms of depression is you sleep all the time. Hello? And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and he did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the Mount of God. And he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What doest thou here? What are you doing here? Was he in the wrong place? Was he out of the will of God? Could that be an open door for depression? All right. Let's just make a couple of quick observations here. The Bible says that a curse without a cause shall not come. In other words, it needs an open door. Now, there are things and events that can happen in one life. But from this story, we can, see, we can see a couple of things. Number one, Elijah was physically drained. I mean, he had traveled from, from Mount Carmel to Jezreel. And, 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 and I mean, that was a lot of mileage he put on that body. He was plain, physically drained. He was also and somewhat burnt out, so to speak. And that creates an opening. The Bible says he went on foot without any rest. No rest. When people don't, when you don't, when you don't eat right, you're eating a proper diet, you're not getting enough rest, you're not getting enough sleep. It can open the door. The devil can take advantage of that. It can open the door to depression. Emotionally, he was depleted. And on top of that, here he was esteeming himself and uh, here he was listening to the negativity of people. I mean, it's not, I mean, you're already tired. You're tired. You're emotionally depleted. This is not when you want to hear somebody says, I'm going to kill you. And I want listen to listen to them. You know what I mean? Like, you're really vulnerable at that point, are you not? No. I'm saying that because sometimes you could be in a pretty bad state and, that's, and you don't need to hear certain people. You don't need to hear and feed and let people feed you with the negativities of their life and you to come and fellowship with their negativity. That can pull you further down. Are you with me? All right? Emotionally depleted. Comparing himself to others. I'm not, I, I'm not better than my father. You go comparing yourself to people, they might have what you don't have and that, 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 that and all of it. And that could oppress you. That could oppress you. All of their fears are paid and yours are not. <laughs> and then again, he left the servant and he went on. Isolation. Isolating oneself is a very dangerous thing. The Bible says it's not good that man should be alone. The Bible says don't forsake the assembling together yourself. He left the servant and he went on alone. And sometimes you see you need, sometimes you don't need the negativity of people, but sometimes you do need someone to come along and to provoke you and to speak encouragement and, and, to, and, and to tell you, hey, don't quit, don't give up. God is going to see you through. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. A righteous man might fall seven times, but he gets back up. Don't quit. You will reap if you faint not. Don't faint. Don't. Sometimes you just, and you need, sometimes you need someone to speak some encouragement to you. And being isolated is not a good thing. And, and, and part of his isolation is because he, he was also running away from God. He was so disconnected that God said, where are you? What are you doing here? He wasn't where he needed it to be. Okay, now, I, I, I might not be, 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 be describing 
the technical term right for depression, and it might be more accurately a depressive mood, but whatever it is, I, I mean, I'm not qualified, whatever, okay? But I am speaking from the Spirit of God, and I am speaking what the Word of God says. And you now those, those things that I just laid out are reasonably simple. And the, and, and the, and the answers are, are very simple, like on the, tar, on the tarot side, hey, get enough sleep, exercise, eat right. Stay connected with God. Stay connected within the body of Christ. Don't go into isolation. And if you need, if you need, if you need professional help, don't be ashamed, or, 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 or you know, to, to receive professional help and, and if need be med med medication. But let me say this: sometimes, you see, people can become so beaten down that they they can't even get out of bed much less go to church. Sometimes people can be so emotionally depressed and oppressed that they just, they just can't even leave their bed or much less their room. They don't want to eat. They don't have the strength to be able to, to, to rebuke the devil and, to, and having done all to stand there for and, 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 and walk by faith and not by feelings. It's so difficult for them. And sometimes... They may need medication just to wake up or just to go to sleep, just to function, just so that they could go and get a paycheck, whatever the case is. And there shouldn't be any condemnation because somebody's in that state or because they have a medication. However, medication is not the answer. And even the professionals will tell you that it's not the answer. It only masks things and it only gets people to somewhat cope. It is, that is not the answer, that is not the cure. People also say, here's a little, a little lie. Time will cure everything. That's not true either. Right? Time can make a lot of things worse. Right? The only the cure is the word of God. The Bible says, attend unto my word, incline your ear unto my sayings. Get it, get it in, into your heart. And it's life, it's healing, it's health, it's medicine to all of your flesh, all of your life, all of your being. The word of God is, is, is medicine. It also says in Jeremiah 30 verse 17 that I will restore health unto you. Jesus is the healer. Time is not the healer. And I will heal you of your wounds. Jesus is the healer. Amen? Now, I, I don't want to try to make this too simple because you got to, to be fair to people who are in a rough place. As I said, there are various levels. And someone could be so under, so to speak, that they need help. And it's not always easy. It's not always you lay hands on them and zap them and that's it. It doesn't always work that way. And coming out of depression is, could be a battle. It could be a fight. And, and it could be such a fight and such a battle that it's not simply ask and you shall receive. It's not simply asking for deliverance and freedom but it is seeking, it is pursuing, it is seeking until you find, it's knocking until every wall of hindrance is, is, is removed, until there is total freedom, until there's an open door. Amen? Sometimes it takes that type of, it takes a tenacity, it takes a, a, a refusing to quit. It is a battle, but here's the key. The battle is the Lord, which means what? It means that the battle is to be fought God's way, there is a better way, and it's God's way, and God's way is the anointing. Yes, 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4 and 5, he says, I didn't come to you with the enticing words of man wisdom, but I came in demonstration of the Holy Ghost and power. Why? So that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen? Now, I'm not telling one, don't get medication or to get off medication. But I am saying the power of God is the anointing. The power of God is the word of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am your deliverance. I am your freedom. But here is the thing. We are to war from a place of victory. That is why it is so important for you to understand that you already have the victory, yet your spirit has no depression. Your spirit, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Your, your, your spirit is, is, is full of the very life of God and the joy and the peace. That the devil is defeated. He's already been cast down. However, so you're not, so you're, you're warring, but you're warring from a place of victory for victory. But when I say for you are you are from a place of victory. You're not warring for victory in a sense because you have the victory. But what you're warring about is to get the full manifestation of the victory that you already have in your spirit to come out into your life, come out into your soul, come out in, into your very life to the place where you can taste and see and your very countenance can change. Are you with me? And that process of getting it from the inside out and the difference of what's on the inside, inside is truth. What those circumstances, all those, those symptoms, that's the fact, but you got to change them. Here's, a, here's what I mean by the difference between the fact and the truth. Here is the fact. The devil is defeated, is he not? Amen. The, the Bible says Jesus spoils principalities and powers. He is defeated. But even though he's defeated, he's still going about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, is he not? We read, um, Pastor Frieda read earlier from, from um, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10 that says the accuser of the brethren has been what? He's been cast down, has he not? That was accusing the brethren before God day and night. He's been cast down. He doesn't have God as his audience. He cannot approach the throne of God to accuse you. Nevertheless, he is still bringing accusation against you. He is still trying to remind people of their sins in the meantime, what is the truth? Your sins have already been paid for, have they not? Doesn't God say that, that hasn't God already forgiven you? Isn't forgiveness already yours? Right? What does the word of God say? God says, I will remember your sins no more. But the enemy and people sometimes, they want to whittle you with condemnation, with guilt, and with shame. Those are the facts, but what is the truth? you got to get the truth to overcome the facts. Amen? God says you're precious in his sight. Isaiah 43 verse 8. God says you are so precious and you are worth so much. You are worth the very life of my very own son. But yet the enemy will want to make you feel like you're just a piece of dirt. People might even say, say things. You know, I'm nothing. You know, and... and, and Talk about themselves in, in ways that are not according to what the word of God says. God says you're precious in my sight. God says you're holy. You are blameless. You are without reproach in my sight. But the enemy, the devil, he wants you to be defined by your circumstances. He wants you to be, de to be defined by your history. How you grew up. What has happened in your life. 
He wants your failures to so dominate your mind that that's your identity. You don't have a job. You're, you're under financial oppression. Bad things have happened in your life. He wants those things to dictate. But, what, but, but the fact of the matter is, God says those things are not to define you. What is the truth? The truth is you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. The truth is he became poor that, that you through his poverty might be made rich. The truth is that God says before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I loved you. God says you are a new creation in Christ. Say Christ. In the anointing. And because these are the truths, God says I want you to get a hold of the truth and do what? Forget those things which are behind. Quite frankly, he could say, forget those things that are outside of the anointing. Amen? And that's where we're heading. Here is the deal. Here is the deal. Technically speaking, God don't really have a problem with the devil. What do I mean by that? Because in the, where the devil is concerned... Where God is concerned, the devil has already been defeated. God lives in that truth. Are you with me? But, so the devil, in a way, is not God's problem. But I'll tell you what God's problem is. God says, I love you. I've done this for you. I've sent my son to die for you. I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing. I've got all of this wonderful stuff prepared for you. But, unless you be conformed Unless you are not conformed to this world, but unless you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, you cannot prove what is his good, perfect, and acceptable will. In other words, God says, unless your mind is renewed, you will not be able to allow what I've got for you to become your reality. What is he saying? Here, let's put it another way. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 7. It says, the carnal mind is enmity with God. In other words, the carnal mind, the mind that thinks according to what it looks like and feels like, that's God's enemy. That's what hinders God. In other words, God says, your carnal mind, that's a bigger problem to me than the devil. He's already been defeated. And quite frankly, at the end of the day, your biggest enemy is not the devil. Your biggest enemy is the carnal mind. It's the way you think, if you don't think right. Are you with me? All right. That's so important. All right. So, the Bible, so, so then, God says, look here. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And if you don't think right, you're thinking, you know, that verse again, going back to Romans 12, verse 2, where it says, be not conformed to this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove. The word prove means allow. That you might allow what is his good, perfect, and acceptable will. In other words, if your mind is not renewed to the truth, to who you really are, to the way it is in the kingdom of God, if your mind is not renewed, then you will not allow his good, perfect, and acceptable will. Alright? Say how I think. How I think. The Bible says we have to have the mind of? The mind of what? The mind of Jesus? The mind of what? The mind of Christ. The mind of the anointed one. We must think that way. And what about your believing? The way you believe. The way you believe could be a problem with God. Isn't that right? The Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19 that they could not enter into God's rest because of what? Unbelief. Because they weren't believing right. 
God told, Jesus told, was this martyr Mary and John 11 verse 40? He says, only believe. If you would believe, you will see what? The glory of God. And obviously if you believe, the glory of God, the manifested goodness of God will show up. But that means if you don't believe, that glory of God, that goodness of God, that God wants to lavish on you is hindered from being made manifest. How you think is the problem. How you believe is the problem. How you talk is the problem. God says you can have whatever you say. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, and believe what he says shall come to pass, and not doubt in his heart, he shall have whatever he says. God says you can have whatever you say, but you got to say right. Amen? If what you are saying is what the circumstances are, are, are speaking, then all you are doing is reinforcing the circumstance and you're not doing anything to change it. So he says you are to speak, but you are to speak the truth. He says life is in the power of your tongue. Speak life. Choose life. Don't speak death. Amen? Let your word be seasoned with salt and administer grace. So how you think, how you think, must not be according to the facts. It must be according to the truth. You see, when you're thinking is according to the facts, that's called carnal. When you're believing is according to, to, to what it looks like and to what it feels like and according to the reasoning of natural men, that's called unbelief. And when you're speaking, and, and I'll tell you at the end of the day, what you really believe is what eventually comes out of your mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you believe right, you're going to talk. When you don't believe, when you believe wrong, you're going to talk wrong. But when you believe according to it is written, even as you believe, even so you shall speak. But when you talk wrong, what's happened? The Bible calls it a forward mouth. Amen? You're giving voice and power to what? To the circumstances. What should you be doing? We are to learn. There's a particular, there's a particular minister of the gospel. She's you know, about 80 something years old. A, a total word person. Right? And, and, and her, some of her testimonies are, are quite interesting. And, and what she simply says is this. Speak the problem. Speak the promises, not the problem. Speak the promises. Ecclesi I mean, someone is in a place of oppression and depression. Well, Ecclesiastes 3.11, I think it is, says, um, he makes all things beautiful in its time. Doesn't it? Yeah. Isaiah 61, verse, 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 verse 3, sa 3 says, he will give you the oil of joy for mourning. And verse 1, he heals the brokenhearted. Galatians 3.13 and 14, you're redeemed from the curse of the law. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. Look at the curse. Look at the agony. Look at the torment. Look at what's happening and declare, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. But I silence every tongue that rises up against me. Learn to speak the promise instead of pre-speaking the word. Learn, the Bible says, right, the Bible says, let the word of Christ, of that anointing one, dwell within you richly. Amen? All right. So, let's make an adjustment here. So there is this, there is the truth and there is the facts. We want to take the truth and change the facts. Are you with me? But the truth is Christ. It is about the anointing. Turn with me to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Hallelujah. And verse 13. Let's look at this verse and dissect this verse. 
Now the God of hope fills you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. The God of hope fills you with all joy and all peace in believing that you might abound and overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let me ask you this question. If that scripture, the person that is under oppression and the depressed mood and so on, if that scripture is fulfilled in your life and is fulfilled in that person's life, would there be any depression? If, they are, if the God of hope fills them with joy and peace in believing and they are abounding in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost, there is no depression. What would their life look like? Joy unspeakable, full of glory. What would it look like? They'll be partaking of the divine nature through the promises of God. What did it look like? They're going to be conformed to the image of Christ. Christ. I'm throwing this out there. I'm setting you up. Say Christ. Christ. All right, okay. So let's, 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 let's dissect this scripture. The God of hope. Say hope. hope. Now, in, um, in, in, in the God of hope, the God of hope, to start with, the Bible says that you were born again by the resurrection to a living hope. You are born again to by the resurrection to a living hope. What's the God of hope? What, what hope? What's God's hope? What's God of hope? The God who has this hope. What is it? God's hope is a vision that he has for your life as a result of the resurrection, as a result of the sacrifice of Christ. Because of what Jesus has done, and God is so convinced about it. That's why he, this is what Jesus came for. To accomplish a life for you that is awesome. And God's vision of that life, that's his hope. That's his dream. That's what he desires. And that's what Paul prayed. That the eyes of your understanding would be open. That you would know what is the hope of his calling. Amen? It is the hope. His vision for you as a result of resurrection. And the sacrifice of Christ. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God says, I know the plans that I have for you. It's a good plan. It's a good future. It's a future of hope. And if you would come to a very good end, say hope. hope. Now, having said that, it does say that hope deferred does what? Makes the heart sad. In other words, when you're hoping and you're hoping and, 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 it, and it just be put off and it's not happening, it can make you sad. Well, if you're going to defer your hope and it's going to make you sad, then how should you be not sad? Don't defer the hope. Does that make sense? In other words, you got to get your hope back. In other words, we're talking about how is this verse going to be fulfilled? You got to get your hope back. Say, I got to get my hope back. The person that is oppressed, that is depressed, that is in a place where they're giving up, they've lost, many times they can get to the place of losing hope, and they got to get their hope back. Amen? The Bible says in, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 8, that it causes a helmet, hope, as a, the, the helmet of hope, the helmet of salvation. Hope is a helmet, it's something to protect your mind so that you can believe for deliverance. 
You got to get your hope back. Say, I got to get my hope back. But where does it come from? Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says, speaks about the, about the patience and the hope that comes from the scriptures. The word of God is the source of hope. Amen? The word of God is sharp. It can penetrate to the dividing of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. The word of God is like a hammer. It's like a fire. It's like a fire. It can break up the rocks and all those hard places. It can soften your heart. The word of God is God. Are you with me? When you are speaking and when you are meditating in the word, it's like you meditating in God. When you are speaking the word, it's like you're releasing God. Remember, what is the answer? What is the way of escape? Say Christ. It's Christ. He is the word. Amen? Okay. Now, and that's why it says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Now turn me to Colossians chapter 3. Say hope. All right. While you're turning there, it says in Colossians 1 verse 27, turn to chapter 3 though. Um, it says, Christ in you the hope. What is the hope? Christ. So the word is the hope. Is where it comes from. But Christ is the hope. The anointing. Say the anointing. That functionality, that operation. All right. Colossians 3, verse 3. Now watch this. You got to see this. Colossians 3, verse 3 says, You are dead. And your life is hid. Graham, can you come for a second? Stand here. God says that when Graham was born again, the Bible says when he was born again, Graham, with whatever history and all of that, Graham died. Period. So Graham died. He is dead. And now, you see, and this Graham was born of his mother and father. But you see, way, way back, this Graham that came out of his mother's womb, his mother and his father got together, and they made him. They gave him this body and all of that stuff. But God had created him in Christ from before the foundation of the world. That's why God could say, before I formed you, I knew you. Are you with me? Now, when Jesus came, and Jesus, when Jesus came, and Jesus died, and Jesus was, was raised up from the dead, and, and Graham decided, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I receive him as my Savior and Lord. That old man died, and a new person came in here. Who is this new person? So, you are dead, but now you got a new life. And the new life that Graham has, the whole, everything about this new life that he has is now hid with Christ in God. So if Graham want to get a hold of the life he's supposed to be living right now, where should he search? It's hid where? In the anointing. The, the anointing is not just for power, which it is. The anointing is not just for the gifts of the Spirit, which it is. The anointing is not only for healing, which it is. But the anointing is where all of your life that you're supposed to live is. 
Your life is in this hid, in the anointing, and it's in God. Amen? And because that is the truth, God is going to tell you, and in that life is all the truth, all the victory. And he says, look, you got to learn to function in this. you got to grow up into the full measure of the statue of Christ. He says, look, this here, you are dead. You are crucified with Christ. And now you live, but it's not you. It is Christ. It is his life that you are now living. Verse 4 is going to say, when Christ, who is now your life, all of the life that he has is in him. Thanks. It's in Christ. Okay, so let's get that. Now, you see, Christ is the anointing. And God said, no, this, that new life cannot come out. And you are not, it's not going to be allowed to flow. You won't be able to prove that good, perfect, and acceptable will. Because that life in there is good. It's perfect. It's more than acceptable. You are not going to be able to prove that unless you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he says, don't seek those things which are beneath, but seek those things which are above, where your life is hid with Christ in God. It is because of the reality that this is what it all is. He says, look here, you better forget those things which are behind Forget it and get a hold of this for which I have apprehended you. Get a hold of this. It is because of this life, this Christ, your life hidden anointing. Remember how Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew chapter 16, who do men say that I am? And then Peter showed up and Peter said, you are the Christ. He didn't say you're Jesus. You are the Christ. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the man with the Holy Ghost and power. God took Jesus and put the Christ. And the, the disciple says in Matthew 17, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are thou. Amen. The Bible says in Philippians 4 verse 13, you can do all things through who? Christ. Through Christ. Say Christ. Christ. The anointing. It is because of the reality of this life. That is why God says forgive. Even as I've forgiven you. That's why God says walk in love. That's why God says faith. Fight the good fight of faith. That's why God says pursue righteousness. And all of these many, many, and we could talk about hundreds of scriptures regarding this new creation. And God says you cannot, this is all wonderful. This is all great. But it's not going to be your reality unless, and so we have all the epistles telling you how to live, telling you how to talk right, telling you how to think right. Why? Because the fullness of your life is in the anointing. Did you get that? Amen. Christ in you. In fact, let's go back to first Corinthians chapter 10. I said to you that the way of escape is what? The truth, which is Christ. First Corinthians chapter 10. And verse 13, well, before verse 13, there are no temptation coming upon you. Let's back up to verse 9. It says, Verse 9, neither let us tempt what? Look at it. First Corinthians chapter 10. You need to see this one, okay? Neither let us tempt what? Christ. Don't tempt that anointing. Yield to it. Agree with it. Come in harmony with it. He has anointed you. He who has anointed you is God. Don't let us tempt Christ, as some of them tempted him and were destroyed of the serpents. Neither murmur ye, 
as some of them also don't talk wrong. And were destroyed by the, the, the destroyer. Talking wrong could put you in the pathway of the destroyer. By the word of his mouth, I've kept me from the pathway of the destroyer. Psalm 17, verse 3 and 4. Now all these things happen unto us for an example. And they were written for our admonition. Upon whom the end of the world are come. Because of that, don't, don't think that, that, that um, he that, let him that take it, he stand, take he lest he fall. Anybody could stumble. Anybody can fall. Anybody could be oppressed. Anybody could be depressed. But there's a way. There's a way by which you can escape or even if you're in it to overcome it. This temptation, these tests, these trials, these situations, they come upon every man. It's common. But God is faithful. And he will not allow you to be to, to go through anything more than you're able to bear. But with the very situation, he's going to make a way of escape. Jesus Christ is the way. So that what? You may be able to bear up with patience. You may be, be able to be strong. And that you will be able to overcome. Overcoming depression. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Don't have a long belief system. I speak as the wise, judge you what I say. Those that are wise and fair in God and believe in God and trust in God, I'm talking to you. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of? The blood of? Okay. The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of? Christ. What am I saying? It's all of your whole life is hid in the anointing. And the anointing, Christ, is their answer. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So it says that um, going back to going back to Romans chapter 15, verse 13, the God of all hope fills you with all joy and peace in believing. That you might abound in hope. And Christ is the hope. Christ in you is the hope. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And not only that, if I may add, he is the light. He is the what? Light. Remember when there, when there was darkness over the face of the deep. What did God say in the midst of the darkness? Light. Light be. Jesus. Christ. He was speaking Christ into the situation. In the midst of the darkness. So what should be a person that is underneath the weight and the darkness and the heaviness of, 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 of emotional burden and, and, and all the weights of, of, of depression and, and, and all of that. In the midst of it, and nothing seems to be working. What should you do? Speak light in the midst of the darkness. Amen? He fills you with all joy and peace in believing. He fills you. This joy and this peace is flowing. But it could be plugged up. Joy and peace in believing that you might abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Joy and peace in what? Believing. That believing is what makes all that difference as to whether this peace and joy will flow or not. If you can believe right, if you can think right, if you can talk right, that peace and joy will flow. If you don't, it will clog up. It will dam up. All things are possible to who? To them that believe. Why? Because, all, because with God, all things that are possible. And when you believe, you end up being with God. Say with God. With God. With God. With God. Move. 
Amen? Your faith is counted for righteousness, it says. Which is to say that if you're operating in faith, God says, I give you the right to act like me. To act in that oneness. So if you believe right, and you believe like God, you have a right. Peace and joy is the result. Why is that? Why is that? Now pause with me a little bit here. The Bible says, because in order to believing in righteousness, there's a connection. Isaiah 32 verse 17 says, the effect of righteousness is peace. If you believe right, peace. Now, say righteousness. righteousness. Believing. Believing. Now watch this here for a moment. Romans chapter 14 verse 17 says, the kingdom of God, remember Jesus said you should, you should seek what? The kingdom of God is his righteousness. What is this kingdom? The kingdom of God is, extend, is the extension of his rule and government. Amen? Isn't it not? All the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdom of our God. Everything eventually will come to the place where the rule of God and his government will be. We talk about one world government, that's it. <laughs> Amen. Are you with me? It's coming, but not the way the world thinks. Not the Antichrist counterfeit. It is the extent of that extension of that kingdom and rule. So you are born again and you are that kingdom of God within you. That kingdom that is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, it's in you. But now God says he wants that to be extended out of your spirit, get out into your soul, so that that righteousness, peace, and joy, and kingdom becomes established in your mind, in your will, in your emotions, and even in your body. Are you with me? But now the kingdom is, and he says, seek first that kingdom, and his righteousness, Matthew 6, 33. But now that kingdom... Romans 14, 17, is righteousness, it's peace, and it's what? Joy. But look at Romans 15, 13. He will fill you with what? Joy and peace in believing. Righteousness opening up the door to, to the joy and peace. The fruits of the Spirit are these. Love, joy, gentleness. Come on, in order. <laughs> Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Love, joy, peace. Say love, joy, peace. Whenever we say righteousness, joy, peace, we are saying believe in joy, peace. Now watch this. Watch this. Isaiah 54 verse 14 says, In righteousness they shall be established, and they're going to be far from oppression because they shall not fear. All right? That's because of being established in righteousness. Now, 1 John 4, verse 18 says, now, stay mathematical. There is no fear in love. None. Remember? There is no fear in love. But being established in righteousness, you're far from oppression because you will not fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love flushes fear out because fear has torment. And he that fear is not made perfect in love. In other words, perfect love, no fear. Say perfect love. No fear. Establishing righteousness, no fear. Oh, do you see the math? Can you do the math? Righteousness, love. Love, joy, peace. Fruit of the Spirit. Kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. So, if 
for meaning it is you're going to believe right, you're going to have to become established in righteousness. Righteousness and the oneness with God has to be your reality. It must become your reality. Part of the righteousness, and I'm only going to touch one part right now. There are four parts of righteousness. Number one, right standing. Number two, the rights and privileges you have. Number three, authority. Number four, the oneness of oneness with that life. Now, in the right standing, what do you mean right standing? Just as if sin has never been, we call it justification. If sin has never been, if there is no sin and sin never existed, would there be guilt? Would there be shame? Would there be some sense of insecurity? Wouldn't you be in that same realm of communication with God so there isn't a sense of inferiority? If there is no sin, will there be no condemnation? So here's my point. Right standing with God as if sin has never been means that you have, it means being in a place with no condemnation, no guilt, no shame, no insecurity, no inferiority. As if sin has never been. So you got to become established in that. Now we're not going to talk about that today, but that is God. I'm not saying that's scripture. Joy and peace will flow, but according to the believing. But that believing, for, in other words, to fix your believing, we got to have to fix this righteousness issue. Are you with me? Right? It does go on to say, uh, in terms of your authority and all of that. And then, of course, if you're going to, uh, and since we see there's a correlation between love and righteousness, the love that casts out all fear and any element of oppression and oppression, there is an, always an element of fear involved. Amen? Just as with suicide, there is always depression to some degree involved. Fear is all, but love casts out fear. Righteousness, when you're establishing it, no fear. So if you're going to fix this believing, we're going to have to fix the righteousness. If you're going to fix the believing, we're going to have to fix the love. If you're going to fix the believing, we're going to have to fix some stuff about the faith. We're going to have to, we got to get a mind renewed, remember? Because at the end of the day, my whole life, the wholeness of my life lies in the anointing. So anything that governs the anointing, I've got to come in line with it. And if I do, Christ is my hope. And I'll be able to abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now I know there's just be, 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 be right there. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. You, got to, you cannot afford to miss next week because there is a Holy Ghost abounding in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost that will cause a lot of what I say to be done. He knows the pathways that we are to walk to get to that place of absolute freedom. And he is there as your personal teacher, comforter, strengthener, counselor. He is the counselor. Amen. Talk about professional help. <laughs> and he will bring you into a place of absolute total freedom if you will let him. Amen. And you're going to know how to let him next week. Gloria and the praise team, I want you guys to sing this song again. That last song you sang. Right? Drummers here. Mitchell. Right, you guys come up here. I want you guys to sing this song again. And just, just, just soak this in. He is the grace. I wish I could preach during this song. <laughs> you know, as I, as, I, as I sing, preach a piece there. I can't, it's not, it's a mess of the musician. But I want you to receive this, amen? Thank you. Father, you are the God of all hope. And you fill us. It is your will that none should perish. It is your will 
that the anointing would break every yoke and remove every burden. It is your will for you anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power and he did good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. It is your will that your children must not be crippled by oppression and emotional torment, but they must live in this place of peace and joy that is at your right hand in your presence. So Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, I pray, O oh Lord, that even as this word has gone forth, that it will be such a penetrating power that, that, that brings us at least to that place where we are open to, to you, open to Jesus who wants to heal the very wounds that the enemy wants to use to keep us in bondage. Lord, you want to heal. You want to heal every wound. You want to heal every broken, every brokenness. You want to bring wholeness. And you want to bring deliverance. So Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that the adjustments that we need to make in this realm of believing and this realm of cooperating with the power of the Holy Ghost will be done. And that your people will no longer be in that place of oppression and that we will even come into a place where we learn to live in the secret place of the Most High God. Where we learn to live in that place According to 1 John 5, 18, where the evil one touches us not, it is available. To live in a, a place where we cannot even be touched by depression. Thank you, Father, for doing it. In the name of Jesus, go ahead. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus.